Well, good morning, Thrive Church. How are we this morning? All right, our format's a little different today um, because we are celebrating eight years uh, as a church. Eight years. I posted this morning on social media and just kind of shared like the before and after pictures and what God has done over eight years has been phenomenal. And so how do we celebrate? We celebrate with baptisms, number one. Come on, y'all. You all right? We also celebrate with a pumpkin patch and get pictures there um, and cake pops that are easy for you to be socially distant. You can go pick them up after service today. We love to celebrate. Uh, also today, if you're, uh, if you're getting baptized, it's an important day for you and we're really pumped for you. Uh, but maybe you came today. Maybe God touches your heart and you say, man, I would love to get water baptized. However, I don't have clothes. I don't have an opportunity. I have to wait. Well, guess what? We have these bags that are called no excuse bags, and they're clothes we went and bought, and they're in your size, male or female. It's an awesome little bag for you. And so during the service or after the service, if you say, I want to get water baptized in the pack, in the back there, we have Lauren Rao, and she will give you one of those bags and give you instructions. If you accept Christ, if you know Christ, there's no excuse today why you couldn't be baptized as well. Well, we are kicking off, uh, again, we're actually in a series called Game of Thrones. And you're asking me, well, what about Game of Thrones? That's not a, a good show. I don't like the show. Or maybe you love the show. I don't know where you're at with the show, but can I tell you? I have no clue what Game of Thrones is about. All I know is I want to do a series about the kings in the Bible. And I thought, hey, let's use the Game of Thrones. And so we're now in week four of this series. And each week we've been looking at a different king in the Bible, kind of like what they've been through or what they've done. And some of them have been cautionary tales. Some of them have been uh, actually instructive for us, just like last week. Well, today I want to show you in 1 Kings 21 uh, another king and actually a queen in the Bible. You can go ahead and turn to 1 Kings 21 if you have your copy of God's Word. Uh, does anybody or is anybody old enough or honest enough to admit that when you were in grade school, kindergarten, first grade, you had the five-pack of big fat crayons? Okay, I see some hands going up. The rest of y'all must have, either you're young or you were way more fortunate than me. We had these crayons, and you had to keep them for the whole year, right? And so they gave you these crayons. Well, me in kindergarten, what I decided to do was I convinced my friend Curtis that if he broke those crayons into three pieces, if Rodney came to steal a crayon, he would still have two more crayons left. And I sat there as this little mischievous kindergarten, that's who I was, kindergartner watched Curtis break his crayons, and I was laughing so hard at Curtis because he was breaking his crayons. And I watched him color with this little I thought it was funny. And so the teacher walks up, Miss Carlton walks up, and she says, Curtis, what happened to your crayons? And I was like, uh-oh. He says, well, Kevin told me that if someone tries to come steal crayons and I break mine into threes, I'll still have two more left. She said, oh, did he? And uh, at that point, we all realized that Curtis made a bad decision in doing that and made a bad trade-off, right? But what was even worse was Miss Carlton gave me those crayons for the rest of the year. And so I was reminded uh, of that for the rest of the year. Now, we would all agree that Curtis made a bad trade-off. That wasn't a, a good deal that he made with me. Today, I want to talk to you about trade-offs in our lives. And I want to look at somebody named Naboth in the Bible. See, there was King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And they were extremely wicked. Uh, and they were over the northern kingdom of Israel, same place Jonah was from. 
You may remember them if you know about the Bible from Elijah, and that's kind of like he was like their nemesis the whole time, and they're going back and forth. And you have King Ahab and you have Queen Jezebel always taunting Elijah and going after him and things of that nature. Well, I want to show you a passage that maybe you've never looked at before, not paid close attention to, about a man named Naboth. And they approach him about a vineyard that he has that it was passed down from his father. And in 1 Kings 21, I want you to look at that in your copy of God's Word. It says, now there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel who owned a vineyard uh, in Jezreel beside the palace of King Ahab in Samaria. One day Ahab said to Naboth, since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, I would like to buy it and use it as a vegetable garden. I will give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I will pay for it. But Naboth replied, I want you to watch this. The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down by my ancestors. Uh, Ahab wanted him to make a trade-off. Now to you, you may say, hey, but you would get a better vineyard, right? You would get more money for it. Naboth, you're not making a great decision here. But in that day and time, your land was paramount to your ancestors, Land was, a, if you had that, you were truly rich. It was something that you passed down from generation to generation. And I wonder if Naboth remembers his dad walking through that vineyard, showing him what his dad had given him, saying, one day, this is going to be yours. One day, I'll get to pass this on to you. And I just wonder, and I don't, I'm, maybe it's a little conjecture here, I'm not sure. But I wonder if Naboth actually walked with his son and said, buddy, one day this is going to be yours. It's been in our family for generations. Naboth refused to sell it. He refused to give it away, and he refused to make a trade-off with King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Now, as the story goes, if you keep reading in this account, he ends up losing his life for this because he refused to make this trade-off. What he didn't do is he didn't give up or give in to the lies of the enemy. His enemy was Ahab. And so today, what I want you to take away from this passage that, you know, is written 2,800 years ago this happened, here's where it bridges the gap for you and I. Today, if you have your notes, write this down. This is key. Don't give up and don't give in what God has given you. Don't give up and do not give in what God has given you. Now, maybe you don't have a vineyard. I don't have a vineyard, right? But here's what we do have. If you're a follower of Jesus today, understand that you have an enemy of your souls named Satan. And Satan's not going to come in like the exorcist and make your head spin around and look crazy and all that. No, 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 no. He's way more cunning than that. He knows what God has given you. He knows what salvation is to us. He knows that God has given us his Holy Spirit and God has a plan for everyone. He knows that and he hates it. And so, no, 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 he's not going to come in like the exorcist. It's not going to be weird like that. He's going to come in and he's much more cunning than that. He wants you to make a trade-off in your life. And he's going to come to you and say, yeah, 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 but just, just give up your inheritance. What is my inheritance? Number one, if you're a follower of Jesus, the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? And when you come to know Christ, you have joy, not happiness. Like, I have joy. I was such a mean individual and angry before. Even as a kindergarten, I was teaching guys to break crayons, right? But the Lord has given you joy. 
And Satan wants you to give up your joy. He wants you to even give up your mental health for people who are trying to ruin your life. The enemy of your souls wants you to give up pursuing God. To give up reading scripture and praying. Why? I don't understand a whole lot of it. I try to read scripture and a lot of it just doesn't make sense. And so you stop. He wants you to give up. He wants you to give in to offense and bitterness and stop serving God. He wants you to get rid of your inheritance. He wants you to stop fighting for your children. He wants you to stop fighting for your marriage. He wants you to stop fighting for your purity. The enemy of our souls is just like Ahab came to Naboth. Satan comes whispering to us, hey, I want what you got. I don't like that you have that. He wants you to live in debt. Stop trying to get out of debt. Just stop fighting it. The enemy of our souls wants you to live strapped week to week, ringing up credit cards. He wants you to stop pursuing health. The Lord has given you this temple. It's a gift from God. I've learned over the past five years that now when I run, I just break out into worship that I can even run, that I actually have eyesight, I can hear, I have, uh, I'm, I'm healthy. Like, like, and Satan wants you to trade all of those things off for something that is not what God has given you. And we have to learn to say, you know what? I refuse to give up and I refuse to give in. I don't know what that is for you today. But many of us are fighting a battle, and you just didn't come to church today to hear a cute little message to make you feel good, to make you, you know, get a little bit of goosebumps on your arms and go home and feel great. But today, I just believe that I'm going to try to stand in the middle of between you and some bad decisions where some of us in here are going to stand up and say, I'm going to take a note from Naboth, and I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in to this addiction. I'm not going to give in to this way of life. I'm not going to keep giving in to anger. I'm not going to keep giving in to jealousy. I refuse to live like this and stand up against the Ahabs of our life. So here's the deal. If we miss this, if we don't see, I want you to write this down. If we don't understand this tactic of our enemy, here's what happens. We end up making trade-offs. Just say the word trade-off through your mask this morning. Trade-offs. There you go. Sounded good, some of you. Some of you sound a little muffled. Trade-offs. You end up making trade-offs that hurt you in the long run. That's what life is. Life is nothing but trade-offs. I've mentioned this before about pain. You never escape pain. You only trade it. Right? You, you don't escape pain. You can live, as I said before, with the pain of debt. Or you can live with the pain of getting out of debt and not living under that stress, right? But you can't escape that pain. You can either live with the pain of, you know, changing some choices of the way you eat or exercise, but, but you're going to live with one pain or the other. You're going to trade one. Well, I don't like that. It's okay. It's no problem. You get this pain. And so my wife and I have learned as we discuss financial decisions and decisions about life to talk about trade-offs. And that's exactly what Ahab was doing to Naboth. He wanted a trade-off for him. And my fear is that many of us are going to try to escape pain in our life, the pain of offense, bitterness, anger, jealousy. And what we're going to do is end up making decisions that in the long run are really bad decisions. That's what we've talked about this whole series. I wish I could have called this series, uh, I Didn't See It Coming. Because that's what happens to us with long-term bad decisions. In my life, I feel like kind of like what God has used me to do is try to help people. Talk about trade-offs in life. Because many times we don't see trade-offs. We get tunnel vision, and we only see one way. We don't, we're not able to see the whole picture. 
And then what happens is, when you only have a one-way decision, you've made your mind up, that's when trouble hits. Well, how do you know that, Kevin? I've seen people make trade-offs. I've seen people hurt others, and in the long run, damage their legacy. I'll never forget a guy, and I'm going to call Johnny. And I worked with Johnny, and he had a drug rehab and a vision for it. And people who wanted to invest in it. No, it wasn't at Thrive Church. Don't get trying to scroll through my feed to find out what year it was. You won't find it. I know how you operate. And so Johnny had this drug rehab center. Men came and worked there uh, for a you know, lawn maintenance company. And they lived in this rehab house that just got out of prison. Some had just finished their 12 steps. And man, it was beautiful what God was doing. I was leading two small groups with those men, pouring into them, teaching them about Christ. And then Johnny fell back into addiction. Johnny let anger take over his life. He took a hammer and went to his house and destroyed his house where his wife and children lived when they weren't there. He beat the house to pieces, the granite, the everything in that house with a hammer. And Johnny ended up living out in the woods for weeks. I got a call two years ago, and Johnny's not allowed to have cell phones. He's helping at an outreach center, but because of the decisions that he made, he doesn't have the life that he used to have. And I pleaded with Johnny, hey, man, this is, don't, I know you're angry at some things. Don't make this decision. And guys, you and I have to realize in our lives that when you're making these decisions, there are trade-offs that we've got to be aware of because the enemy wants you to do what? Give up and give in and just stop fighting. I don't know who you are today, but some of you are on the brink of just stop. I'm, I'm, I'm just done fighting. I'm tired. I'm done fighting. I don't want to talk to you about that today because here's what you and I have to do. And this is the action we've got to take. And I can't do this for you. Your small group can't do this for you. Your serve team at this church can't do this for you. Only you, your spouse can't do this for you to a certain extent. You've got to do it. And here's what it is. You have got to fight for your right. No, it's not to party. But you've got to fight for your right. You've got to fight for what God has given you. You've got to fight for it. I'm talking about like taking a Naboth spirit and saying, I am tired of every day falling into internet pornography. I'm going to fight it once and for all. I'm tired of our family living like this. I'm tired of my children getting raised by screens all the time, right? I am tired of my health. I'm Sometimes you've got to get to the point you're just tired of being sick and tired. And you're going to stand up and fight. But we stop this little vacation Bible school Christianity, and we say, you know what? I'm tired of little devotionettes for Christianettes. I, Christianettes, I'm going to stand up with some boxing gloves and fight for once and for all. And I want you guys to leave with that mindset because realize in your life the unseen realm is more real, real than the seen realm. That there are forces at work that want you to be destroyed. And you know what? You've got to stand up to Ahab and say, you know what? I'm fighting for this. I'm fighting against this addiction. I'm fighting for my children. I'm fighting for this. Instead of living strapped, I'm going to store up an inheritance for my children's children, right? Some of you are in school and you want to give up school because of COVID. And the enemy wants you to do that. But I know this, God will give you the strength. Now what I could do today is I could talk to you about seven practical tips on how to fight. I could talk to you about strategies and ways to do that. But as I wrote this message, I looked back on my own life when I was tempted to give up, 
was tempted to give up on my marriage at one point. It's just not worth it. It's what I do. I fought. I was tempted to give up on ministry. It's not worth it. And the enemy was whispering, give up. Tempted to give in to addiction. The enemy's whispering. So here's what I've had to do my whole life. I'm going to give you how to fight and then who do I fight. How do I fight and then who do I fight? Number one, I want you to write this down. How do I fight? We will fight in prayer. You can go ahead and roll your eyes spiritually. Oh, we're going to fight in prayer. Oh, that's right. That's the churchy thing to say. I'm not talking about these, these little bless me and bless you and bless them prayers. I'm not talking about these little things where you pray where you're on the way to work and somebody has a, 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 you know, a hangnail. You're not praying for so-and-so because they, they hurt their ankle. I'm talking about you're going to fight in prayer. That you're going to say, you know what, I refuse to make a trade-off. I'm going to pray over this family. For you young people here, I'm going to pray over my parents. For you people who are parents, I'm going to pray over my children. We need prayer warriors back in the church again that just aren't on a prayer team. My grandmother taught toddler Sunday school, but she was a prayer warrior. Every time I drove out in that little Honda Prelude, I was going out to do terrible things. My grandmother pointed, and she saw me drive by, and she pleaded the blood of Jesus over me. You say, that's kind of weird. It worked. I, I, I'd rather be weird, right? She said I, she said, I plead the blood of Jesus. I rebuke the enemy over him. And we need people like that that will stand up and fight in prayer. Matter of fact, one of my favorite passages is when Jesus had to do this. You know, he was carrying the weight of dying for the sins of the whole world. This weight that was crushing him. And if you look in Matthew's gospel, and it's uh, in Matthew 26, 36, This is Jesus the night before he's betrayed, the night that he is really betrayed, right before he's going to be crucified and beat as a criminal and flogged and hit. And I want you to look what happens that night. I want you to watch what happens because Jesus faced the same temptation that we faced. Yeah, he never sinned, but he faced the same temptations. And watch what he does. It says, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here to his disciples while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and there he became anguished and distressed. Don't, don't, don't just skirt over that. The Son of God became anguished and distressed. Matthew was there. He saw it. See, many times we don't pay attention to the tension that happens with that. See, you're going to face times where you're in anguish. Maybe you come to church and you're that way or distressed. There's a spiritual battle at work. What did Jesus do at being anguished and distressed? He posted on Facebook to get pity. (laughs) No, he didn't do that because they didn't have Facebook back then. Look what he did. It says this, he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, and watch this, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. He wanted to make a trade-off. At that moment, Jesus was like, hey, look, it says he prayed all night, so this is not the whole prayer. John gives you some of the prayer in his gospel. Luke has a little bit of the prayer, but all night he prayed. And I guess off and on as Matthew and these guys would wake up, they'd catch a little bit and remember it, and they wrote it for us. That's great. But this is a conversation he had with God. It hurts too bad. 
this is way too tough. I don't want to go through the pain. What do I tell you about pain? Do you ever escape it? Uh-uh, you just trade it. So Jesus had to make a decision at that point. Do I die and go through the pain of suffering for the sins of the world or the pain of backing out and watching all humanity be cut off from relationship with their creator and their father and destined to go to hell? What pain would he choose? And look what he says next. You all know this if you've, if you've been a Christian for two weeks. He says, yet I want your will, your will to be done, not mine. And it says he prayed all night. And in the other Gospels, it says he prayed to the point that sweat and blood came out of him. Now, in the case for Christ by Lee Strobel, if you're on, your, on the fence about Christianity, if you think Christianity is fairy tales, you've got to read the case for Christ because it's all logic. It's all science. It's all facts. And he goes through. He says, matter of fact, this condition is a medical condition that when people go through such extreme pain and suffering, this could actually happen to them. Jesus was stressed. Jesus was tired. Jesus was worn out. Jesus was in anguish. And at that point, he's like, if it's possible, if Buddha can do it, please, just let Buddha do it. If Muhammad can be the only way, let Muhammad be the only way. If there's any other religious system that can do this, please let this cup pass from me. But he pauses and says, no, 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 but not my will. I want your will to be done. And he made a decision there to fight in prayer. See, guys, some of us, I know you're stressed. I know you're going through a tough time, but you've got to learn to fight in prayer. It's not this little VBS prayer where you're just praying for frivolous things, but it's praying that God would impact people's lives. I told you about my grandmother praying, right? Well, guess what? When I got saved, when I got saved, I had a grandmother who prayed, and when you prayed with her, she touched heaven. Like, you prayed with her, like, it scared you a little bit, Right? Amen. Like, I guess none of y'all had grandmas like that, but I had a grandma like that. When she got together and prayed with us, she, she t- you, you could tell the woman pray. Well, when I got saved, my dad became very violent. My mom gave her life back to Christ. My dad was angry at me for becoming a, a Christian. He didn't like it. He got hurt by Jimmy Swaggart and all those televangelists a long time ago, and he hated Christianity, but he couldn't really dispute what had happened to me. Something had changed drastically. But he was so angry at night, he would tear the house up. Me and mom, you know, wouldn't fight or argue with him. Drink lots of liquor and just angry. And the only thing I knew to do, I went and talked to someone at church. And I got saved in a Pentecostal church. And I know there's some weird things about Pentecostal church. Let me tell you one thing about it. They know about prayer. Right? That's where I got saved in. And I had a, a man tell me, he says, take this little bottle of anointing oil. He says, I want you to pray over that house. I said, why do I pray? He says, I don't know. You ask God what to pray. And guys, what I did, I'm going to tell you what I did. I went. And you may think it's weird, but it works. I anointed that house with anointing oil. I prayed over his liquor cabinet. I said, take the desire away. I said, God, bring peace to him. Open his heart. I prayed over their cigarettes. Right? Like, like I went through as a, as a 21-year-old male, and I said, I'm going to fight for my family, even though they can't fight because he's not a believer yet. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And that's what I learned to do was fight in prayer. And when there's been times in my life where I've come to an impasse, that's what I've learned to do. 
And sometimes, I'll tell you, during COVID, can I be honest with you, what my fight in prayer was, I was taking a walk one day. I didn't know what to do. Church had never been shut down before. Like, it just was something that we had never dealt with. Anxiety was just all over me. I was depressed. I was angry. All the, And I just prayed and said, God, I need divine help. Please help. And God showed up. Can I tell you a little secret too about Thrive? And some of the staff probably don't know this. But I walk these aisles and I pray for every one of you. Matter of fact, some of y'all sit in the same seats every week, right? To y'all that don't, y'all the true, the true heroes in the room, right? You are living dangerous in church, sitting in different seats. I go through and I pray for you. And can I tell you, for eight years, we started with 22 people. Most of them were senior citizens. We didn't have a shot to make it, really, as a church. But can I tell you what we did? We prayed. And I would walk the aisles of this church, and here's what I prayed. God, protect this church from the little foxes that would spoil the vineyard. Protect us from people that would hurt us and send people we can help and send people that will help with your mission. And have prayed and have prayed and have prayed. So how do you fight? Fight in prayer, guys. You know, sometimes when you're so emotionally down and downcast, you don't want to pray. Just, just like Jesus, get down to your knees and fight in prayer for your family, for your own emotional health, for your own needs, for your children. I'm praying right now. You know what I'm praying for my son right now? He's five years old. I'm praying for his mate, this future person that he's going to marry. Right now, I'm praying for that person. Right now, I'm praying for his purity. Right now, I'm praying for his self-confidence that, that he won't ever feel like he needs to give himself over to someone who's not up to his standard because he needs attention or approval. Right now, I'm praying for that. And my next goal is to write it down. And then one day, when he meets that wonderful, wonderful young woman who loves Jesus and loves him, I'm going to pull that out and say, I prayed this for you. And I'm going to pass it down, the inheritance. I'm passing it down to you to now pray for your children in the same way. Fight in prayer. Now, who do we fight? You've learned how to fight, but who do we fight? We're going to fight the real enemy. We're going to fight the real enemy. Here's the problem when you get into these cortisol moments and you get stressed out. You start fighting the people in your life that you can see. So you have an enemy you can't see. That's the real enemy. And we've got to learn to fight the real enemy. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. You're like, yeah, Paul, you ain't married to my wife, right? No, I'm kidding, I'm joking. I'm joking. Come on. You can laugh your own you know, eighth birthday here, right? But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Who do I fight? We're going to fight the real enemy. Do you have a spiritual Ahab in your life that wants you to make some trade-offs, that wants you to give up and to give in? Your enemy is not your children, even though I know they seem like it sometimes. Your enemy is not your spouse, it's not your boss, it's not your neighbor, it's not your friend, it's not your family member. There is something at work behind the scenes. For he says there are rulers in evil places in heavenly realms. Now, I know it seems a little spooky and weird, but you've got to fight the same way Jesus did. You fight the real enemy by going to prayer. Jesus fought Satan. After he got baptized, it says the Spirit came upon him, and, 
And man, he was like, man, he's ready to go do this thing. He went to the wilderness. He fasted for 40 days. And after the 40 days, Satan came to him. And Satan tempted him to make a trade-off. He says, I'll give it to you. Don't go to the cross. There's some shortcuts you can make, Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm not going to do that. And each time Satan came to him, what did Jesus do? He used Scripture. He says, no, 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 no. He says, uh-uh, uh-uh. Here, here's what the Word of God says in Jesus' fault. See, I wore this shirt, Not Today, Satan. We did this series a couple years ago. There's some of us, when we leave here today, I can't be with you. I can't be your lifeline in real time. But what you can do is you can fight. And you can say, not today, Satan. You're not, you're not going to have me. You're not going to have my family. You're not going to have this marriage. No, 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 no. I'm not going to give in to this addiction. I refuse to continue to let you rule my life. Not today, Satan. And that's what I want for you guys is that. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for this scripture today, Father, that you inspired by your Holy Spirit the story of Naboth. I pray, Father, today that you would raise up some people in church that are like Naboth that will begin to fight the real enemy, Lord. Show them. Help them. And help them fight in prayer. Even when they don't know the words to say, God, you give them the words in prayer to say. Father, for all those online watching right now, I just pray for them as well that, Lord, you would give them the spiritual strength, that you would be their joy, that you would help them to not give away the inheritance that you've given them. Father, I pray today for strength. And as we're praying today, if there's anybody in here that you have come to church and maybe you walked away from your faith, maybe you've never surrendered to Christ, you've never prayed the prayer, made the confession to come to Christ, today is your day. Today, God brought you here to either come back to faith in Christ or to come to Christ. Maybe you're watching online and that's you today, right now. If that's you, it's this simple. It's what I did 20 years ago and I'm inviting you to do is make a decision for Christ. And it's praying this prayer. It's making this confession of faith. And you can say this where you're sitting. doesn't matter who's around you. After me, you say this. You say, God, forgive me for I am a sinner. But I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day. Not only for my sins, but for the sins of the world as well. Thank you today for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I repent. I turn to you. Thank you. Now, God, give me the strength to fight. Give me the strength to fight in prayer and to fight the real enemy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.